This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. One of the things I find is important in my life and in the lives of a lot of people that I know is having a pet or or having a few pets. Uh, And these little fur babies and fur families that we have uh, really makes a big impact on other aspects of our life. I've got the modern Dr. Doolittle on the line, Rachel Augusta. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Thank you. Great to have you here. So you're an animal practitioner. Um, when we met at the New Media Summit and you, you did your talk about uh, animals and, and your, your deep desire and love for them and, and what they do and the impact that they have on our lives, you know, it, it obviously resonated with me and with a lot of people based on the number of shows that you end up on. Uh, it, so tell us a bit about you know, why you know, why you explored this world and why you said, you know what, I need, you know, to, to talk about, you know, the importance of having, um, you know, pets in our lives and, and, and the impact that they have on our, on our mental health and our physical health. Yeah. Um, well, how I got started actually working with animals was just through having my own animal in my home, um, my cat. And what happened was she got really sick and because of her age she was 17 at the time the doctor said um the doctor said well you know the vet was like she's old she's had a good life and there's really not much we can do and while i understand she was old that wasn't a great response to me i i felt like there could have been a maybe something she could have offered And so in that moment, I realized that if anybody was going to help my cat through her disease, it was going to be me. And she was given two weeks to live, but um, I immediately threw myself into school and started um, studying how the brain and the body work together to build up the immune system. So she ended up living an additional three years um, through learning how to relax her in such a deep level that her body and her cells could repair themselves. That's amazing. And that was, sorry. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, you get a diagnosis and I've heard that with, you know, with humans as well. You know, the, you know, the physicians will say, well, you know, you've got six months and then six years later, they're still bouncing around living life and going, hmm. yeah, they miscalculated that because they underestimated the power of, of love and and digging deeper for for options and solutions. Oh, completely. This happens all the time. In fact, I just heard of a, well, one of my sister's friends was diagnosed with breast cancer and was stage four going into hospice. Uh, Chemo wasn't working. And then all of a sudden went into spontaneous remission. And, you know, it, it does actually happen more frequent, more frequently than we realize. And, um, and that actually is what really got me more into, you know, where I've started steering this boat. Um, because what I realized was a lot of times animals were really sick. I started seeing patterns. Animals were really sick, but just previous to this animal getting really sick, 
something very emotionally traumatic happened in the home with the human. And, um, and at first this was just, you know, a theory for me, or it was a pattern that I could see. Um, let's say for example, a woman, you know, the human's diagnosed with breast cancer. She falls into fear and depression. And a few weeks later, their dog has cancer and, um, or their dog has all of a sudden lost its ability to walk, but nobody can figure out why. These things are very common. And while I could see this, I had nothing really to back it up until a few years ago. There was a study that came out um, by some scientists in Italy, and they were able to prove that not only do animals um, smell our emotions, we've known for a long time that dogs and other animals can smell fear and different emotions, but they feel, their, they feel our emotions with us. And you would ask, well, why does that matter? What does that have to do with illness? If let's say I'm living in a state of anxiety or depression, that's harmful to my body. It's going to cause cortisol and cortisol leads to tumors and tumors lead to cancer. And while this is happening in my body, my beloved animal companion is experiencing the same thing because they're bonded with us. So they, they experience fear with us and then their body starts creating cortisol, which leads to tumors and that leads to cancer. And so living in these negative emotional states can be very hard on our bodies, but it's also very hard on their body. And whenever I say this to people, of course, their first response is, oh no, my God, but you know, I love my dog. My dog and cat, they come to me when I'm sad and depressed. They want to be with me. They want to lay on me. And you know, that's true. Our animals love being with us. They love laying on us. They love comforting us. And I think of this as a symbiotic relationship. And when we're doing really well, they do really well. But when we're not doing well, it can really impact our health. And that goes back to the original thing, you know, your original question of like, we have these animals in our lives and we love them and they, they, they bring so much joy and happiness, happiness to us. They really, you know, they can help heal us. And that is true. And that's the symbiotic part of this relationship. But the, the darker side is, is that when we let our negative emotions get out of control, it also impacts their health. And, and that's the thing. And I've seen that, you know, with whenever you're, you get home, you've had a rough day, uh, you know, the dog will, will look at you and will, won't be as, if, if they're a jumpy dog, you know, they won't, they're not jumpy as much. They're a little bit more low key or if they're, a rather relaxed dog, you know, they come up and like you said, they'll just say, yeah, we'll climb up on your, on your lap or, or give you a kiss or something like that. And, and you're looking at them and you're going, how do you know what's going on? Is yeah. it that, is that, is it that obvious that you're interpreting this? And the answer is, is yes. They, yeah. they, they have senses that we don't, for some reason we don't think they have, but they are, you know, very amazing, uh, intelligent creatures that can navigate around the stupidity of humanity and, and, and somehow survive and, and thrive and, and be there for us um, in those, those playful times and those times that are a little bit challenging. Totally. You know, and the thing is, yeah, they feel it with us. They smell it on us. Um, you know, 
Humans have 10 million neuron receptors associated with smell in the olfactory bulb. A cat has 80 million and a dog has 400 million. So wow. they can really, they're smelling all of your emotions. And, you know, before you even open the door, they can probably smell you. And because their, their sense of smell is so strong and, you know, you think, well, why does that really, okay, so they can smell it, big deal if they can smell it. Well, if you think about your olfactory bulb, when you smell something, it goes into your olfactory bulb, which triggers your nervous system. And so if they're smelling depression on you, it's constantly triggering their nervous system and making them sad for you. Yeah, it's amazing how that all yeah. works and, and, and the dynamics of it. So when you encounter people, and I'm sure you do this, where you know, they haven't had a pet before, and you know, not so much on you know, finding the right pet for them, although that's a huge thing that a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, make the mistake where they get you know, the wrong type of dog uh, personality for, you know, their situation, who they are, their demeanor, you know, their home activities, all of those things. But, you know, what are some of the things you, you tell people to, um, learn about and, and know about that they may not understand? I mean, we've already talked about a little bit is, you know, their senses and, and how, you know, they're able to detect things that, uh, we wouldn't think that we, uh, or they would be able to detect. Yeah, what the so to clarify the question, what are some good things for them to know and if they don't necessarily know animals? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, you know, the I think one of the greatest things uh to know about animals is that they love connection. I mean, they're very connected to us, but um they love connection and a lot of times people will get an animal and then they kind of just think of them as like, I don't know, a side chair, a dining room table. It just becomes, the animal sort of becomes an object in the house and not really looked at as like a being, another person there. And we tend to talk about them, but not actually to them. And so I talk people through this a lot. Sometimes when we have behavioral problems or animals fall into depression, or maybe they're having a hard time adjusting to the house. Can you imagine being in a house where everyone is really nice to you and um, it's very pleasant, it's clean, you get fed, you have a bed, everything's nice, but nobody actually talks to you. Nobody actually has a deep connection with you. You're just sort of living there. Mm -hmm. It would become very lonely. And this is something I often see with humans is that, you know, a lot of my clients sometimes when they come to me with animals who aren't doing well, it's because they haven't really taken the time to connect to this animal and, you know, be the crazy cat lady or the crazy person who's like, yep, I totally talked to my animals all day long. <laughs> and your animals actually respond really well to that. Oh, I know they're doing, you know, we, we have a dog and we talk to him all the time and, and and even will be playful and you know he'll he'll claim that we didn't feed him and 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 and, and, and i'll and i'll and i'll and i'll do you know dog voice like a boost you don't feed me you're not the boss of me i am the boss of you and you know all these kind of things we have these ongoing conversations 
and you know the dog will look at us and you know it's like with a sarcastic stare and 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 then we'll you know obviously feed him and, and do all the things that we do he is he is well fed um he's taken care of the vet the <laughs> vet, the vet is but, yeah but yeah he's like that because uh, one day i'm you know in the kitchen getting myself a snack and my cat came in and was very clearly wanting snacks too and i was like no no you don't need any snacks and then i caught myself and i'm laughing i'm like meanwhile i'm getting myself snacks <laughs> and, uh, you know and, and if she could have spoken english i think she would have said give me a break you're in here getting snacks for yourself all day long <laughs> so. oh yeah the, the dog it can be you know dead sleep and i open up a plastic container head immediately pops up and and looks and goes is that for me and, <laughs> and yeah so you're like no this is not for you uh, and they they just stare at you and go, yes, it is for me. Like, no, this is not for you. You can't have this. And, yeah. then, and they just kind of stare at you and you go, okay, well, here, have, you know, ha here, here's a little treat. And, you know, one of the things we had to do is uh, our, our vet wanted him to, you know, lose, you know, basically, a, you know, a pound or so, you know, just because he, it was a, not too bad, but just like, you know, keep an eye on it. So what we ended up doing is with this treats, we found basically this, this dog food that was a, you know, a, a healthier thing. And we trained him that these were actually cookies, but it was actually just dog food, dry dog food, little pellets. So, you know, we'll give him like a little handful. He thinks he's getting treats. He's just getting a little bit more dog food. And <laughs> You know, if he if he ever if he ever talks to a dog union or something, we'll probably have a grievance filed against us. But you know, we'll deal with that when that comes up. But yeah, I know, I know. It does get to be a thing. That's one thing I really learned from animals is the art of persistence. It is a highly effective tactic. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. They're they're a whole lot of fun. That's for sure. So. Yeah. So it when obviously we've we've talked about it quite a bit about um your you know the help you know pets and and taking care of their health and all of that stuff is important but it, how it impacts our own health you know we you know just in you know, in the last couple of minutes we've both been you know giggling and laughing about you know the the zaniness that you know some of our pets put us through and and how we you know we have those conversations with them as a family member, it's not like, okay, we, we have a dog and there it is over in the corner and we got to take it out for a walk or things like that. No, it's, it's a conversation and, and the dog knows the cues and it's time you're grabbing the leash or you're ready to go outside. And, you know, you know, our dog too hates the rain. So we have a rain jacket for him and, <laughs> And literally what we do, it's kind of like when you're a kid and you're about to get an immunization, we hide the jacket behind our back and then we put the leash on first and then we pull the jacket out and his head just sinks. He's like, and his, his body goes limp. He'll lift his paw up, he'll put the arm in. He's just, he's got this just dejected look on his face. Like, I hate you. Yeah. He's a blast. He's a blast. Oh my God. I love that. You know, the thing is for people listening who maybe don't understand, like why, 
like how can having an animal that you talk to that you laugh with that you you know brings joy into your life how can that actually be good for you and there's a lot of different reasons it's good for you i mean they've done a lot of studies on this that people who have animals live longer you're walking you're happy you have you know all these things but one thing a lot of people don't understand is that it triggers a response in the body so you have a relaxation response that's triggered and when you can laugh or when you're in a state of deep relaxation, your brain releases endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, which relaxes your muscles. And when your muscles are relaxed, your blood becomes oxygenated, which allows you to absorb more nutrients from your food. Um, your stomach starts creating digestive enzymes, the hormones regulate, the body detoxes, and then new cell growth happens. And that's actually called the physiological relaxation response. And this is why if you go to the doctor with a broken arm, they're going to ask you your pain level. If you say two, they're going to give you an Advil. And if you say 10, they're going to hand you a Percocet. They're trying to trigger this response in you. And because you can't heal if you're in pain. And so a lot of times, you know, people who are really happy are healthier. And, you know, and you, that might sound woo-woo or it might sound cheesy or dumb, and, but it's because you're triggering this response in your body on a common basis. So your body's hormones are regulating and you're, you have new cell growth. And this is true with animals as well, which is why, you know, happiness and endorphins are, are huge when you're trying to get somebody through an illness. It's crucial. And I've seen, I've seen people that, you know, were given, you know, more or less a, a death sentence that if they maintained a positive attitude, they laughed, you know, they were, they were focusing on positive things and even focusing on, okay, yes, I know I'm going to deal with this, but I'm going to get through this and I'm going to go on that trip that we had already planned and I'm going to do this. And more times than not, they go on that trip and they overcome their thing and whatever ailment they're dealing with or diagnosis. And, you know, the doctors get stumped and it's just, well, you know, it's, there's our, our bodies can heal themselves with the proper mindset, the proper, you know, all the endorphins and, and, you know, and again, having a pet and I'm sure you've seen the statistics where, you know, people that have pets, and they're a part of their family and not just, you know, I have a dog or I have a cat, but a, a crucial part of, of the family are happier, mm -hmm. healthier, um, tend to not have the ailments. They don't tend to get ill as much and they just, they have a way about their life that is amazing. And it's, and I know with some people, you know, it, based on their lifestyle or work situation and things like that, that, you know, being an owner of, of a furry creature is maybe not in, in the best interest of them at this particular junction in life, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't be forever. Uh, you can always right. do it, but you know, that's definitely something you had to take into consideration yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one thing is that like to talk about like what you just mentioned is that when you get a scary diagnosis, people who go, you know what, I have a bucket list or I'm going to go on this trip or I'm going to continue to enjoy my life how how good it is for their health the same is true with animals um often let's say a dog or a cat is given a really bad diagnosis maybe stage four cancer what people tend to do then is go oh you know like we're going to put you in bubble wrap we're going to stick you in the corner i want to protect you and i'm going to protect you by not allowing you to do the things that bring you joy 
like go play frisbee outside. But, you know, will to live is huge for animals as well. And so, you know, when they get a scary diagnosis, keeping things happy around them is also really important, making sure that their, um, their lives are, are rich in the same way we would want our life to. No, it's, it's crucial. And again, I'm thankful that, you know, I have you know, pets in my life. I didn't as a child growing up. My brother was allergic to dogs and I was allergic to cats. So that pretty much kept us in a goldfish or hamster type of environment. But even when I was a little boy, uh, my grandparents had a German shepherd named Duke. And I was one of eight cousins on that side of the family. And that dog would always bark at all of my cousins except me. He never barked at me. I'd go up to him and I'm like four years old and I'm, I'm, you know, petting him and scratching behind his ears, his tail's wagging and all this stuff. I have, I have memories of this and I'm, I'm 50 now. So that's a long time ago. Uh, but I remember that. And I've always had that way with, with dogs, dogs just naturally come up to me and kind of like look at me. So I don't know what I'm emitting from it. Maybe it's just as simple as simple as, you know, I, I, I love dogs and, and they, they recognize that and they sense it and they go, okay, here's somebody that's safe. That's not going to hurt us or do anything uh, to harm us. Um, other than my other, other than, other than my dog claiming the abuse for not being fed, but. Um, right. I was like, well, maybe do, did you have treats in your hand when you were seeing Duke? Um, not that know, I know of, but maybe I smelled like candy or something. You I smell like candy. They're like, this four-year-old smells like pancake syrup. Yeah, could, <laughs> but, um, that, that could be. But, you know, the thing is, is that. Um, so dogs, you know, they can smell our emotions. And if you have a dog, a big, huge German shepherd named Duke, I mean, that sounds intimidating. And then you have these little kids. It's common that the kids would maybe be afraid because he does bark. And then they're smelling that fear. And, you know, animals might not, you know, they can smell it, but they might not interpret it. So they smell the fear and think, wait, why are you afraid? What, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, but with you coming in, just open-hearted, being like, I love you, Duke. And, you know, he was smelling, really smelling that. And, um, and I think that's why you have had these really amazing experiences is, with animals is because you come in very open-hearted. And they see it, they feel it, they can smell it. And it, it really changes things. And I've, um, you know, in my work, you know, I work with animals who are really sick or they've been really severely abused or have injuries. And at first sight, when I come in, they're like, oh no, is she a vet? Is she going to bring a thermometer? Like they, they always go through that, the fear of thermometer, you know, all of that. And then when they see what my intentions are, they really, really open up. And even a really severely abused animals that are maybe have been so abused, other people can't touch them. When I arrive, they, they're very open to it because they know that I'm there to help them heal. And they can totally see that. They feel that. They smell it. They're reading your brain. They're, they're reading everything. There's a scientist that said you have no secrets when it comes to animals. That's really true. Yeah, try playing hide and seek with a dog. It fails. <laughs> it, exactly. It, it, you, exactly. You, you, you can't. So it's always good. It's like, you know, especially if you have kids and you go, they're hiding. You're like, I'm just going to have the dog find them. That will just save me probably about 10 minutes. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. 
go find Rachel and you know, away, away they go. And there, there they are. So totally. awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. Loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and the awesome work that you're doing? Thank you. Yeah, they can go to my website, moderndoctordoolittle.com. And it's just dr, moderndrdoolittle.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the social medias, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. And I have a, an audio that's free on my website that triggers that relaxation response that heals the body and animals. So if anybody wants that, they can go grab that from my website. If they want to trigger that in their animals, it really helps them get through trauma or, or physical stuff they might be going through. Awesome. And I'll definitely have all that in the show notes. Rachel, thank, thank you. you so much. Great talking with you again. Lo- you. Love the work that you're doing. Uh, keep at it. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I, this was a lot of fun. Likewise. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.